0: From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, Norman Jaffe and the Dawn of the Modern Age.
1: Dr. Hutchinson discussed the book for the Archives of Ophthalmology, He says, the one negative of the book is that he spoke about intraocular lenses. With not, is not a procedure acceptable in the United States.
0: First this. It wasn't always like this. Before the time of podcasts, physicians had a much more difficult time staying abreast of their fields. Then, in February of 2005, a plucky new podcast, the first for physicians, was released into the wild. first episode of A Scene From Here was downloaded by absolutely no one, because almost no one had ever heard of a podcast. But the Tenacious podcast could not be kept down. Soon, ophthalmologists trickled and then streamed in. And then the plucky little podcast wasn't so little anymore. And it measured uploads not in megabytes, but in terabytes. And downloads not in hundreds, but recorded 10,000 downloads in 103 countries every month. (laughs) But we really have only one listener we care about. You. This podcast is just for you. Keep it to yourself if you choose. But won't you share it with a friend, and then you and your friend can share a scene from here's sixth birthday with me. Ophthalmology distinguishes itself from other medical fields in its readiness to assimilate new technology. Indeed, in ophthalmology, if you're not trying something new, you're falling behind. Of course, there's new, and there's new. Trying a new clear cornea incision is one thing. Initiating cataract surgery with a femtosecond laser is quite something else. We do have an excellent model of introduction of new technology, academic resistance, and a public relations campaign. Not the Perk study evaluating radial keratotomy, not even Charlie Kelman and FACO. No, the granddaddy of them all is the introduction of the intraocular lens. Norman Jaffe was at the center of that debate. Dr. Jaffe is a founding member and second president of ASCRS, formerly the American Intraocular Implant Society. You described 1967 as, as a pivotal year in... And- Our field. Can I ask you why? Why that is?
1: Well, it was the most important year in ophthalmology because of two things. One was the introduction of phacoemulsification by Dr. Kelman, and the second was the introduction in the United States of serious lens implant surgery. They both occurred in the same year, and that has affected millions and millions and millions of people and that's why I called it the most pivotal year in ophthalmology.
0: Now, you talk about the negative impression that arose when intraocular lenses were first brought brought to the U.S. because of public concern that intraocular lenses were dangerous. Let me ask you a sort of a, a broad question here. How do we know when we're doing something that really is dangerous?
1: You don't know. The people who started to do implants felt that by speculation that this would be successful based on what was, what were the failures of years ago. And we thought we had a better technology, better implants, better choice of patients, and to work in a very conservative mode for the benefit and health of the patients. So we took a chance. And uh, the chance was just based on tossing a coin. We truly felt that we had something better because those of us who started it knew what the problems were of the previous types of cataract surgery.
0: Now, clearly there, there was a, an, a need that was obvious then and, and even, even earlier for making patients pseudophagic. There there were troubles when uh things had been tried earlier in, in Europe in the 1950s and 1960s. Can I get you to talk a little bit about that? I yes. don't know much about that.
1: Well, I could start even earlier. The very first cataract operation I did, believe it or not, was in 1947 during my residency. I operated on a man who was selling peanuts outside the hospital. And six weeks later, which was our mode then, we put the fake spectacles on him. He looked around the room and got so upset with the magnification, he took the glasses off and threw it against the wall. After the surgery, which was successful, I wrote a letter to my mother and said I've done my first successful eye operation. Then it required a second letter. When he threw the glasses against the wall, I've now had my first failure. And as I stated before, that I've done thousands of cases without intraocular lenses and realize that some patients were worse off after the surgery than they were before because of inability to form to do simple tasks like get a key in a lock, pour coffee into a cup, walk down a flight of steps, things of that nature because of the magnification. So when we did implants in 1967 on December the 4th and 5th we had successful patients who were like Hollywood characters. They paraded around in front of patients who were wearing aphakic spectacles, and they were the heroes, and they were the ones who started those 11 cases. Well, most of those lenses were anterior chamber lenses, Dr. Strampelli, Dr. Joaquin Barakir, Barcelona, the outstanding figures of European surgery. And they were having problems because of the inflammations that the patients had, poorly designed lenses, Poor selection of cases and many of those lenses had to be removed by these European surgeons. It was their almost unanimous verdict that implant surgery should be ceased.
0: The battle for acceptance of intraocular lenses stands as as a model for new technology in, in our field now. An important part of this involved a, a, a sort of m- media campaign, which you were you were talking about now, that, that that involved even people like Marcus Welby. How concerned should we be with the perception that the public has about the things that we do?
1: Well, I think the most important thing was that we we prevailed on the physicians who were the pioneers not to get their pictures in newspapers, not to consult with reporters not to aggrandize themselves, but to do this in a conservative, honest way and a regular progression based on our early experiences. That conservative view is what convinced many ophthalmologists in the United States to listen to us and give us credibility and some respectability. And that's really the way we did it. Also, uh, our Miami moratorium was well known. It was the first time in maybe all of medicine that a procedure was done, the procedure stopped, only to be done again later after a careful study of the results. We went through two years of no longer doing implants before that came about, and I just can't tell you how what an impact that made on the nation. Again, credibility and respectability. When it seemed that the FDA was about to outlaw the use of implants, uh as i stated i was able to raise $175,000 for our defense from colleagues around the country i did that as a result of two letters that i wrote to the colleagues and then we decided to take high profile people and do the uh, pr- uh the uh, st- uh bring the study in front of the FDA in front of an audience of 500 people as i stated it was media it was legislators and physicians And when each person got up to speak, they said what the implant did for them. But the most passionate of all the speakers was Robert Young, who was known on television for Marcus Welby, MD, and Father Knows Best. He was known for that. And he went through a period of addiction because of his losing vision with cataracts. He had to cease his career in the movies and on television and then where both implants were done with removal of cataracts, he came back to life again. And in that three-minute talk he gave, before that group of 500 people, he spoke with such passion of what it did for him that the audience stood up after that and applauded. And then, because of that, the article was in the Washington Post the next day that the FDA was defeated uh, by, actually, Marcus Welby, MD, including... Ralph Nader, the commune of advocate who was preaching against the use of intraocular lenses,
0: we owe a great debt of gratitude to to you, but there's a special debt of gratitude that's owned by the the most populous country uh on on earth to you personally. You brought the use of intraocular lenses to to China uh, well, that
1: was a great event in my life in nineteen eighty seven I was invited by the People's Republic of China to come come to give some lectures on implants, not to do the surgery, to lecture. Translation was done by the chairman of the Department of Embryology who uh, translated my remarks, and they were so excited about that that they said, could you come back next year and do surgery live on our patients in front of an audience? I said, I can only do that if I bring my sons with me. I brought my three ophthalmologist sons with me, Mark, Gary, and Emery, who's seated next to me. And, uh, we did the surgery on 23 people whom we selected in Red China. When the, uh, Chinese people heard that we were coming, my name was put on the front of a major hospital that I'm coming. As a result, there was a line nearly two city blocks long of pre, of, Problems that were coming so that we can solve them some bringing children who are born blind things of that nature But we selected 23 people and in those days We selected the younger ones because we felt they'd live longer and the results could be studied for a longer period of time And the study that we did there was so successful in their publications That we were known for the cataract and implant surgeons of red China But uh, that was one of the great events of my life. And to have my three sons with me, two of whom were doing surgery, and my youngest one was recording all the events, and it was a tremendous thing. When we arrived in Red China, it was midnight. It was midnight in Washington, D.C., where CNN was recording our visit to Red China. But we were midnight there, and we were met by generals, admirables, admirables, political people of Red China. And we were put in major suites. I had a five-room suite with my wife. My children were each given a three-room suite. We were treated like royalty. And these, uh, the event was a success. And a movie was done on this. The Jaffe story, which was uh, narrated by the late Ralph Renick, who was the head of uh, 6 o'clock news on CBS, and uh, he narrated the story. It was a great event for us, and uh, I think we made a contribution to the People's Republic of Red China.
0: Yeah, I, I should I should say so. I have I have one last last question, which is this: You, you discussed uh, the the revolution that intraocular lenses brought uh, to our field and and obviously to our our patients. What do you think the intraocular lenses of today, what what do you think is uh, likely to bring a, a, a similar, maybe smaller, revolution to our field now?
1: Well, I can answer that personally, because two months ago I had cataract surgery on my right eye. Sixteen days ago, I had ca- cataract surgery on my left eye. The surgeries were done by my son, Doctor Emery Jaffe. I didn't know who should do the surgery, I know so many of the colleagues, I did not want to pick one well-known person and not choose another one, because so many people know me for so long, that I chose my son, who at least had the guts to operate on his father. And I have crystalline lenses in both eyes. That's not to say that this is the best intraocular lens available because some people feel another implant might be superior to what I've got. But I spoke up to the podium, I'm not wearing glasses, I can read a newspaper without glasses, and to say that I'm satisfied is an understatement, because I am very satisfied with my results, and I believe that there are implants out there today that are probably just as good, and maybe in some hands even a little better. But one thing I'm certain of is that the implants that we'll see in the near future will be better even than what I have in both of my eyes for a variety of reasons. Because it's always coming, ophthalmology is the most dynamic field in all of medicine. And you just go by my books. I wrote my first book in 1972, Cataract Surgery and Its Complications. And in that book, Dr. Hutchinson discussed the book for the Archives of ophthalmology says the one negative of the book is that he spoke about intraocular lenses with not is not a procedure acceptable in the United States, but the second edition uh four years later had discussion of implants, and Dr. Blody said it was probably the best book written than Dr. Kirby's books of thirty years ago and uh so in my own uh career i've written six editions to that book. Two of my sons have been co-authors on the last two editions and the book has been read on cataract surgery according to the CV Mosby company by more ophthalmologists in the history of cataract surgery than any other book on the subject. And as I see and I leave this audience today, people stop me and say I was brought up on your book and I appreciate what you've done with the books. I like to be a writer, I am a writer, and uh the books have been a success. But that's not to say, getting back to myself, that in just a couple of years, maybe even less than that, there will be even better implants than ones that are in my eyes right now. All I can say is that in 2011, I'm satisfied with what I've got. I don't mind telling you in the interview that I am now 86 years of age. So I'm not looking to you see... You look good,
0: Dr. Jaffe. Thanks
1: a lot. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not thinking that in the near future, there will be better lenses than I have today. And I don't think that would be disagreed by many of those on the panels and many of the those who are doing the excellent work today.
0: Thank you very, very much. It was yeah. a real pleasure. You're welcome. Norman Jaffe makes his practice in Aventura, Florida. He's had 238 papers published in peer-reviewed journals and is the author of 13 books, including the seminal Cataract Surgery and Its Complications, the most widely read book on cataracts and IOLs in the last half of the last century. Ask questions of Dr. Jaffe or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at jyoungmd.com at gmail.com. As seen from here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.